Ready to boost sales and grow your business without the BS? Welcome to the Business Growth Show. I'm Sam Dunning, a digital marketing, sales, and business growth evangelist. Tune in and subscribe today as I'll be interviewing business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. We'll be sharing actionable tips across marketing, sales, and growth without the BS to help you skyrocket your business. And welcome back to a fresh episode of Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com. And today I'm joined by Moore Asseline. Moore is a three-time sales leader and a two-times VP of sales. He advises B2B software as a service companies, and he's recently released a sales demo course called From Demo to Close. Moore, a warm welcome to the show, sir. How are you doing? Appreciate it. Thank you. Good. You? All well. All is well on this end, man. I was just saying how how nice and cold it is in uh, in UK, and I know you're sitting outside right now on your balcony for those that are listening yeah. in and can't see, and you're you're enjoying the sunshine. So very envious right now on a cold winter's day here in the UK. Yeah, it's it's our winter also, kind of. We have we don't we have cold fronts. Yeah, most yeah, of the time yeah, it's yeah. hot. Decent, living the dream, man. So yeah. we're going to be talking all about how you can close a whopping fifty percent or more of your sales demos. I'm intrigued because I want to steal some of the tactics today and I'm sure many of our listeners and viewers do as well more. So let's throw you in at the deep end as we always do. Is it really possible? It sounds like a bit of a pipe dream. Is it really possible to close 50% or more of sales demos? Uh, short answer is yeah. <laughs> I've done it myself and I've uh, I've gotten my team to do it and everybody that I essentially trained, right? I would, I would join in early stage startups, build out a team from scratch, train them. <clears throat> and then one of the things I do is I measure the performance. Um, and so my benchmark is 50%. Um, if I can get them above, amazing. A lot of times I do. But on average, 50% is the minimum benchmark. Man, that's that's some real stats. That's some amazing stats. So is that something that just happens? Or for anyone that's listening in, is, is that something you need to aspire to? I.e. you might be at something like 20%, 25%, 30% right now, and it's something that gradually happens? Or is the process we're going to discuss today something that you can put into play this framework, and then it's going to be 50%, no questions asked? No, it doesn't just happen. Um, I think for some industries and some companies, 20% is considered good. I, I don't mm. like from my, at least my experience, <clears throat> um, 20% is extremely bad. But I've talked to other companies where they're doing uh you know 20 percent, and i would ask them like hey what's industry average and they'll say 30 percent right um right so 30 percent is considered good in their industry but on you know if you're dealing with smb or enterprise level deals it could you know the numbers can tend to fluctuate enterprise takes a lot longer to close a deal smb is a lot quicker than an enterprise and so you can probably see a, a higher demo conversion rate typically yeah you know? Yeah, I get that. And is this, on that note, before we get into, I guess, some of the tactics and talk about this in a bit more depth, is this across the board? So is this anywhere from kind of a SaaS product where we, or doesn't even have to be SaaS, but let's say we sell a monthly service that might be anywhere from, I don't know, a few hundred pounds or dollars a month up to, I don't know, 10K plus a month. Um, Is it across the board or is it limited to a certain kind of bracket, let's say? Yeah, I mean, from at least my experience, or like I, my playground is SaaS, um, and so I can only claim that number in my from my experience. I, sure, <laughs> I'm sure there are things, ta- tactics, strategies that you can use from a sales demo on a SaaS platform or SaaS product, and have it transferable to a non-SaaS play. Right, like I release my sales program, I charge a yearly subscription. 
I don't necessarily do demos. It's sort of my content, whatever marketing strategies I have that gets people interested and they buy. Um, there's a difference if you're on the phone and actually doing a presentation of something. Um, that's a whole other animal. Got it. Okay, that's fair. So before we get into this, how much waiting, in your opinion, is placed on the sales demonstration, the presentation, your Zoom classic screen share, going through the slides, on that part of the sales process, as opposed to, let's say, things like the actual lead quality itself. So if you're generated the lead yourself as a sales rep or a business owner or a marketing's passed on to you or moving forward through the discovery stage, another start of the uh, sales process or let's say the the closing stage and then in between we've perhaps got the demo. How much is that of the waiting of getting the deal over the line is, is, would you say is is on the, the actual demo itself? Yeah, I mean, if I throw out a number, it'll be too arbitrary, but I don't think it's one. Uh, it's like, oh, it's the demo. It's the Zoom meeting, the way you do it. It's it's a little bit of yeah. everything, um, sort of a little bit and a lot of bit of everything, right? Like discoveries is, is um, definitely um, an anchor. Um, you know, if you don't do discovery properly, you can dramatically affect negatively your demo conversion or your win rates. Um, the quality of the lead also, like... You can get a shitty quality lead that has zero interest in purchasing, zero, like none whatsoever, and they were just forced on a call. Yep. You're not going to close them. Like they're just not. Their their intent isn't to buy. Isn't they're not even paying attention. So yeah, you have those factors. You know, luck has a lot to play with it, also, right? Um, but as far as what you can control, there is a lot of things that you can control: the discovery part, your tonality, the questions you ask, what you show, how you show, how much time you spend on it. Um, you know. What part of the demo are you paying? T- are you spending more time on? Um, how you talk about the pricing? All these things go into play. Uh, it's sort of like a cocktail of different skill sets. I like that, and and I love cocktails, so that works well. Yeah. Now, I don't want to talk too much about discovery because <coughs> that that makes sense. If marketing passion is a shitty lead, then it's it's your responsibility as a business owner, as a sales rep, to understand that it's poor quality. Try and put them through your sales process. If they're a poor fit, then disqualify. Continue yep. nurturing them. Whatever makes sense for your organization. Um, and if you want to learn more about discovery, we've got an episode, we've got two episodes with Benjamin Dennehy. One of the most is why you don't need to do a demo. And the second is how to close inbound leads. So check those out with the UK's most hated sales trainer, Benjamin Dennehy. Now moving forward. I love him. Great guy. Very controversial. That's probably why we, we get on quite well, but he's, he's, he's a no BS sales trainer. You know, sure. his, his cold call openings are, are golden. My, I mean, he gets it from Sandler. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people know that a lot of the stuff is Sandler with his own spin on it. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think most sales advice out there, even mine, is something that we've extracted from some other source that we read or learn and we put our own spin on it. Right. Like Bruce Lee, if you're a fan of Bruce Lee, like he, you know, he created his martial arts called Jeet Kundo. Mm-hmm. And Jeet Kundo was just sort of a mashup of Kung Fu, karate, this, that, Aikido. Yeah. And he called it Jeet Kundo. So, you know, I call mine from demo to close, you know. Well, that's it, right? Like, I mean, most of my own, so without going off on too much of a rabbit hole, most of my own sales processes and things I've either stolen from books, podcasts, or guests that we've had on the show and put my own spin on it, made it my own, yep. tested what works, what doesn't, go from there. Yeah. So, um, cool, man. So with that said, more the, the the big question, the hot seat, what, what goes into a winning sales demo? What do we need to consider? What do we need to put in play if we want to start closing 50% of our demo deals? Yeah. Uh, so you said like discovery is something that you talked about in the past. <clears throat> discovery isn't just like a part of like the call opening. 
right? It's not like so you have it depends, right? Like, you, are you getting the lead from cold prospecting, or are you getting the lead from an inbound top funnel marketing where they requested a demo on your website, or they came in from a referral, whatever it is, right? So either way, wherever they're coming from, you should uh, the discovery part is the most important part of the entire demo process. I said said yesterday to somebody, I'm like the discovery is the spinal cord of the demo. Um, right? that's, a, like, that's a nice analogy. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I didn't steal that from anyone. I, that one was on me. But, <laughs> uh, it's the spinal cord of the demo, which means the discovery isn't a stage that starts and ends before the demo starts. It's, it's a thing that just constantly goes throughout the sales process. after the During the demo, after the demo, after onboarding, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So discovery is major. Um, so uh, part one of like, getting really good at doing demos is getting really good at discovery. Um, and for a few reasons, number one, during the discovery part, you're collecting a shit ton of Intel, uh, at least in the beginning. And based on that Intel that you're collecting, you're able then to uh, leverage the information later on in the demo. So for example, like if you tell me, um, you know, like right now I have a cold, right? So like, if you tell me like, Hey, more, you know, why did you buy a box of tissues? I'll tell you because I have a cold and you'll be like, okay, well tell me more about it. And I'll tell you, and I'll go into it. And you're like, okay. And then you have a box of tissues to sell me or some other product for colds. Right. Like at during the demo, you'll say like, Hey, more, you had mentioned earlier that you have a cold because you didn't wear a sweater when you went outside. Um, You know, do you think having a sweater on freezing days would be helpful? Like that's a discovery question. I'm like completely like deviating away from like software itself right now but like you're using discovery and then intel that you learn earlier on the call um to to talk about it on the on the demo if you're talking specifically yeah. on a demo it's like hey prospect you know what's the reason you're looking at our solution or what's the reason that you scheduled a call today they'll say something like oh you know we would like to increase our conversions whatever it is and so sure. as you're doing the demo later on and you have a particular feature that helps them increase conversions you'll say Hey, Sam, you had mentioned earlier on the call that one of the reasons you want to get it on the demo is because you want to increase conversions because you're not doing it with the previous solution. Um, what I'm about to show you actually tackles exactly what you're looking for. And so you start, you lean in and pay attention because it's, I'm using discovery. I'm using what you said on discovery on the demo. So discovery okay. is really important. Uh, tonality is also extremely important. Um, I like to do this experiment a lot when I do like workshops. So let's do it. I'll do it with you actually. I want you to think of the word, say the word tiny to me, T-I-N-Y. Tiny. Okay. Now, I want you to say it again, but before you say it again, I want you to use your, like in your head, imagine what tiny would look like and use your body, your arms, your hands, whatever it is, and then say the word tiny again. Let's go for it. Tiny. Right. So if you were to close your eyes and you just heard that, you'd be like, oh, I know it. All right. He said tiny, but the second time you said it i felt it more you're like tiny you, even your words were small even did the little expression with my yeah fingers. exactly every time i do this everybody <laughs> goes like this when i tell someone to say the word huge they're like huge i'm like all right i now say the word huge using your body language so let's so do it say the word huge with your body language huge right like so your tone of voice changes your body you get animated yeah and so tonality is really important because when you want to have a punchline after a feature or you want to do a punchline after price, whatever it is, tonality plays a big role. So if, okay. I, if I want to tell them about a feature that is um, exactly what they're looking for, let's say I want to use the words, this is exactly what you're looking for. If I'm using tonality, I'll say, hey, Sam, you had mentioned that you want to increase conversions. What I'm about to show you is exactly what you're looking for. 
And so you pay attention because of the tone, tone of voice. So that's another thing that's that's really helpful on. Yeah, on let's let's dive into those two points before we crack on. So yeah, discovery. Essentially, what you're saying is it should be from the start and ongoing throughout your demo. Asking it never, it never ends. It never ends. Relating back to them as and when relevant, I guess, with the the software or whatever you're demonstrating to your prospect, reeling that back into the detail you've dove into with the questions you've asked. So tonality, that's an interesting one. Not something we've talked about a great deal on the show, which is interesting. So. Is again, I'm I'm curious. Is this how important is this from from what you've seen more and some of the reps you've trained or perhaps your own experience? How how much does it really affect? Um, I guess the buyer's ability to trust you and ultimately go ahead yeah. with you. Well, I mean, if you're using a software like Gong.io or, or Refract or whatever it is, there's no metric that measures tonality. There's metrics that measure question asking, <clears throat> and there's metrics within gong that measures how many words you're using and what type of words etc but there's nothing about tonality um so for me to say oh yeah it affects the <laughs> demo by 20 percent, like that's so arbitrary yeah exactly. i just know when i listen to demos and the person is monotone i, I zone out because if you're monotone there's nothing differentiating what you said from the beginning of what you said versus at you know the end just like the word tiny or or exactly or huge or whatever it is um you know when people uh and this is like classic uh you know old school sales people like yeah. when you want to tell somebody that they're getting a sick deal you lower your voice You're like by the way i want to let you know that if you sign up to like these are little tactics that worked back in the day right um i think yeah. nowadays people can sm smell that type of tactic so just be animated when you talk um interesting you, know. you mentioned sandler earlier because i'm pretty sure he had a um he had a saying that sales is like a broadway show put on by actors i've probably butchered the saying but it was something along oh, really? those lines um it's literally in the book how you can't teach a kid to ride a bike at a seminar um now that's that's interesting and benjamin when he's been on the show has kind of talked about certain bits and pieces like that so yeah i, I get what you're saying so essentially if you're if you're monotone if you're just speaking in the same tone of voice it's probably going to send your prospects to to sleep yeah it's like hey um prospect you mentioned that you had a feature uh you had a, a reason that you wanted to sign up and this is exactly what you're looking for let me show you and so this is what it's like you know like where's the the highs and lows like some songs are really good and really catchy because they, they use it like the beatles for example i don't know whoever listens to beatles but like other musicians coldplay whatever it is they all yeah. have you know really good songs aren't like static and linear they're sort of you know they're, they're fluctuating they spin off a little bit um it's rhythm Right. That's why we like music. It's rhythm. It's catchy. And so, if you're if sales demos is just like music, it's you have a rhythm in your tone of voice. You have a rhythm in the words that you use. How fast you're saying the words. How slow you're saying the words. You know, yeah. if you watch like The Wolf of Wall Street, like I know everybody, like there's a lot of people that don't like him because he stole money, fine, whatever. But there is truth to what he's saying about tone of voice. If you watch like Leonardo DiCaprio, he's like, what I'm about to show you is the best thing. What you know, he uses this whole body language. It, yeah, you feel it across the phone. It's convincing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You do that. Um, let's put a spanner in the works as a, as an opposition to that that note. What about if the prospect on the other end of the Zoom call, the meeting, whatever, is is very monotone? So if they're the kind of person <clears throat> that comes across just quite steady, perhaps quite meek, quite quiet, and then yeah. you're super active, super hyper, super enthusiastic. Would that not scare them off? Um, I know traditional sales training says you should perhaps consider mirroring your prospect. Mirroring Yeah. I think you got to feel them out. Like, I, I'll try to break the ice with the prospect. So, 
part of breaking the ice is doing your research before the demo. If you can find out their interests, like personal interests, like maybe go on Instagram or Facebook and see if, what they like, what they, you know, that's one area. Go to LinkedIn, see their activity. What do they engage in? What, what do they comment? Um, find anything that you can about them. Intel, like literally Intel. Um, this way, if you find that they love, I don't know, whiskey, right? And they're talking monotone. You could say something like, oh, by the way, like this is going to sound really stalkerish, but um, I always do research on my prospects before demo. And I did it on you. And I noticed that you have a huge whiskey collection. Like use that and, and that can break the ice a little bit. And so they may open up. If they, if they talk about whiskey in a monotone way, but it's still a passion of theirs, then I'd consider to just match them. Um, but some people, by the way, like I've met developers that are really monotone. They're not enthusiastic. They're not, you know, super animated. And they, uh, they love being around people that are like that because it's something they, they sort of, uh, admire. Uh, and yeah. some, some of them don't, some of them like, like, Hey, you're too much. I'm not saying be like overly excited, you know, uh, on a call. Enthusiasm could be in different ways. You, you could be passionate about something, but you don't have to yell about it. Right. Got it. Makes, makes sense. So with those two things in mind, what, what's, what's kind of next on the, on the process of, of your ideal sales demo? Yeah. So we said discovery tonality, um, tailoring is really important. So like, where, where did you buy your last suit? Where did I? Yeah. Let's have a think. I haven't bought one recently. I actually, well, we got married a couple months back, so that was rented from a company I believe called Suits Direct, but we had to rent mine and then all the groomsmen and all the guys involved. Um, right. And then before that, it was probably a cheap one. Actually, it was like a hundred quid suit from Next, but I got that about six years ago. So it was it shows... off the rack, right? Yeah, I think I had to get measured up for both of them, but it wasn't like a... I mean, back then <coughs> I, was, I was young. I didn't have much money, so it was like a hundred yeah. quid suit job. Yeah, so I mean, you can either buy a suit off the rack, right? You can go... Like we have Macy's or uh, or uh, Nordstrom's or whatever it is, or uh, we have Suit Supply also, but Suit Supply is not really off the rack. But you can buy it off the rack, and all you got take it to a tailor, and she'll make some adjustments, and you're good to go. Or... You can take it to like a company like Indochino or Suit Supply and get a suit custom made. They measure you from head to toe and you have a suit made for more, a suit made for Sam, a suit made for this person. Once yeah. more premium, it costs more, one costs less. And you have, you know, and so treat your demos like a, not, not a suit off the rack, but a custom made suit. Yeah. Um, and so, again, it goes back to discovery. That's why I say it's a spinal cord, um, because if you're if you're after you've done discovery and you're let's just say you find out that the prospect only has one particular main pain point, like, Hey, I, my pain point is X and my goal is Y, for example, don't spend time on the demo showing them anything other than X and Y like, right. Cause they're, they're there for one or two things. If you have enough time on the demo and you think that other things that would help them fine, show it to them. But otherwise, like when you're doing a demo and it's 30 minutes long, 45 minutes long, 60 minutes long, and you're spending time showing them all these features, they're not going to walk away remembering everything you said. It's impossible. Think about the time that you sure. first joined the company and you first learned the product. How long did it take to actually learn the in and outs of the product? Now, mm -hmm. you're doing a demo with a prospect and you expect them to know as much as you. It's, it's not possible. They're, they're going to extract a very small percentage. So don't overwhelm them. Tailor the demo. Only focus on uh, the things that completely align to what they're trying to accomplish. I'm really enjoying your analogies more so far. Shoot I off love the, rack. the yeah, yeah, I love I love the comparison and the the spinal cord backbone for uh, for discovery as well. So yeah, I like that tailoring it to to what I guess to what they the prospect actually cares about. So ultimately, these are the problems I've got right now. 
I don't care about the hundred features that your demo or your software has because I just want to know how it solves my problems, how it makes my life better, right? Rather than listening to a sales rep drone on about the same old features. Right. Gotcha. <clears throat> so you mentioned something there in terms of kind of focusing on the pain points. Is there, this might be something else you want to talk about a bit later, but is there a kind of perfect time? Because you mentioned demos can drag on. Is there an ideal time limit for a demos? And appreciate again, this can be ran. This can be dependent on what you're doing. But have you found people can only focus attention for a certain amount of time without falling asleep? Yeah, so it's tricky, right? Like if you're doing a, I always say like if you're doing a a, a sixty minute demo or thirty minute demo or forty five minute demo, and you and the prospect are vibing, right? Like there's just crazy chemistry, and you're talking, and you're bleeding over the time. They don't have to leave. You don't have to leave. I say milk it. Um, <laughs> not all the time because it's, it, yeah. it's it's a lot of time. Like I did a demo with somebody once. Um, it was a sixty a forty five minute blocked off time demo. Right. We uh, did the demo and we were just like create like we were talking as if we were best friends. The demo lasted for three hours. Wow! I hope they bought. They bought. They referred <laughs> and they text me from time to time. They they followed me on on Facebook. They, you know, every, you know, like they saw I had Corona, like at the time, they're like, hope you feel better. And, they, and we're just in touch. That's what you call a raving fan. And whenever they have a question, like this is sort of like not the greatest thing, because now they're on customer success side. They're no longer on the sales side. They reach mm. out to me, right? Because they just trust me more. But if I have, if I tell them like, hey, man, like I need, I need another customer to sign up with us. Do you know anybody? I can have that type of conversation so freely because I, I milked the demo with them because we just had a yep. good conversation. Otherwise, no. I mean, like if you do a demo on me, I'm the type of person that I don't care about the weather. I don't care about uh, where you're like, like, not you specifically, like uh, a sales rep. It's like, oh, where are you from? And oh, oh da, 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 da. they try to build. I don't like that shit. I personally don't like it. I don't care for it. I, I have, I'm very busy. So show me exactly what I need to see. Um, and so I'm the type of person that keep the demo. Uh, if it's 60 minutes, so be it. But make sure that 60 minutes is all about business, uh, less about trying to build rapport with me. Um, so is there a sweet spot for timing? I don't think so. I experimented, right? Like I've done demos that are 30 minutes long. And it was great because you're able to to go through the next demo, the next demo. So you're able to get like eight demos, 10 demos in a day. The downside to that is you're rushing through the demo a lot of times. Because the prospect has more questions, you want to show them more things, whatever it is. Um, and so I stretch it for 45 minutes, and then I create a 20, 30-minute buffer time. So if we bleed over, it's fine. But I'm a big fan of giving back time on demos. Yeah. Time yeah. is the best gift. So essentially, we're saying as long as it needs. To an extent, right? Like, if the, if the prospect has a hard stop, then keep it at a hard stop. Um, yeah. If you've covered everything you need to cover cover and it's been you have a 60 minute demo and you've done it in 30 minutes you don't need another 30 minutes give give them back 30 minutes yeah yeah i get that um you raised an interesting point there more so you said like for example you you don't care about the small talk whether what's going on i'm i'm quite similar if i'm talking to a sales rep i want to get to the point can they help me or not ultimately yeah um do they understand what i need and can they get me from a to b so is that does that just go back to what we were talking about before doing a bit of research before you're cool or does that come in kind of when you're talking discovery and you might get an idea of what they're like as a person and if they want to do the small talk or not have you got any quick tips on on that front yeah like if, if you should spend time like doing like building rapport and break that ice yeah basically to get a quick 
I guess, a, an idea of what your prospects like and if they actually give a shit about talking about the weather or if they just want to crack on and get into the nuts and bolts of how you're going to fix their problem with your de- with your demo. Yeah, so, I mean, part of it is just like, you know, being um, just like aware, self-aware. Like when you're on the demo, like you sh- you'll, you'll get a sense of the, how the pro- – like, hey, how are you today? And you'll be like, he'll be like oh, I'm okay. Like he's short, right? Or she's short. Or they're like, I'm great. How are you? Like if you're getting that sort of vibe back from the prospect, then you know where you can play around. Yeah. Um, but doing the research, the, the demo prep is so important <clears throat> because you save so much time. The worst thing you can do when you get on a demo, I mean, there's a lot of worst things you can do, but one of the worst things you can do is you get on a demo, you tell the prospect, cool, so tell me about your business. Like, did you not do research? Like, <laughs> what do you do? What's your title at such and such company? Like, that stuff, that type of stuff you can do research on. And so... I've had demos where someone demoed me. They're like, hey, so tell me about your business. And, I, and, and so my re, I responded. I gave him my answer, but I, I wasn't enthusiastic. I was like, you know, short. I was like, yeah, you know, we're able to, we do this, we do that. Um, anyways, and like I push them off. Um, so if I get on a demo and someone says, hey, more, I noticed that, um, you know, I appreciate you jumping on the call today. I noticed that you do X and Y and Z. You're doing it for about three years, um, you know, and then bring up something that you've noticed something else. Like I noticed that you also recently released a podcast with, with, with Sam about XYZ um, curious and then ask a question. That's a way to build a rapport. Um, if you're doing your homework and people notice that you've done your homework, they'll be way more open to communicate with you. Again, if you do your own research, right. And you find out on Instagram that they love or TikTok or Facebook that they love whiskey, they have a crazy collection, bring it up, you know, like you don't have to bring it up in the beginning of the call. You can bring it up in the middle of the call or they, whatever it is. Right. Um, so like I knew, for example, I did a demo with somebody and I found out that the, that person was actually a celebrity, somewhat of a celebrity. And I was like, okay. And that the research that I did, I found out they have like six kids. Yeah. Right. I was like, okay, this is pre-demo. Okay. So I'm on a demo and I'm like, okay, they have six kids. So they love children. It looks like, it seems like. You so, Yeah. Or something like that. <laughs> so, and I was working, I've been working from home. <clears throat> so when I got on the demo, I'm like, hey, I appreciate you jumping on the call. By the way, just want to like throw out a disclaimer. If you hear a baby in the background, pay no attention. That's my son. And I I, I threw that in because I know they have kids. And they're like, oh, how old is he? And then we talked a little bit about that, right? So Nice. Just subtle um, things. It's very subtle. research. Yeah, yeah. Cool. That makes sense, man. So this might be a later part of your demo um, tips, but how important is storytelling? Because I know you've, you've shared quite a few stories and some relevant ideas and yeah. some good tips so far. How 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 big a part is kind of building a story, whether that's sharing a case study of a similar client or relating something back that might be useful to your prospect? That what do you think? Yeah, storytelling is 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 huge. Um, I mean, think about like I always talk about this. Um, like kids, children, two year olds, three year olds, they have no uh, fo- they can't focus on one thing. They're all over the place, right? But for whatever reason, there's a ton of books that are published for children and children are able to sit and read through it. Like my son is all over the place, but I take a book and I read to him. He pays attention. How's that possible if they're so distracted and, you know, ADD, whatever you want to call it. And so the authors of these books found a way to crack the lack of attention for children. And so they write really good stories. They simplify things. And so if that works for children, even more so it could work for prospects on the demo and so storytelling is huge i'll give you an example um i was talking to, this is like a couple of years ago i was talking to a prospect and they were on the fence about switching from the competitor 
to our solution. And they're like, yeah, you know, I've been using this competitor for seven plus years. Or like I asked them, like, how long have you been using the competitor? Like, oh, seven plus years. And so clearly they were hesitant of like switching over. And so I was like, oh, let me just tell you, tell you a story. And so the story I told them was like a true story. I was like, <clears throat> I, I had my first car lease. And my, my car lease, my, my, my car didn't have a camera, a rear view camera. And so I drove for, for a few months and I had to take it into the shop to get oil change, change tires, whatever it is. And so in the meantime, I borrowed my sister's car that had a rear view camera. So when I reversed, I could look at the camera. And so I did that for a couple of days. And, you know, it was like a game changer. Like, wow, I can reverse without turning back. When I got my car back and I went to reverse, what do you think I did? And that's like literally a question I asked the prospect. And like, oh, you reverse and you, you know, with you almost hit a car. I'm like, yeah, I almost hit a car because I defaulted to look at the stereo, which is where the camera would typically be. And I was so used to it, and I reversed and I almost hit a car. I'm like, and that's just having a uh, my sister's car for two days. You have a software for seven years and you expect to want to switch over and for it to be exactly the same. So I use the story to make a point. Uh, it's a storytelling is huge. Yeah, it sounds like that also shifts to give them another point of view as well 100 percent, which which i like yeah and if you're going over features right like don't tell them about what the feature is and what it does tell them a story about it like using discovery hey you mentioned earlier that you're having trouble um getting your team to utilize the software because so and so and so so prospect imagine this case scenario and then go through a story or hey, yeah. prospect! I had a another client that had the exact same scenario as you. They had about five employees. That, that, create a story. Use a story. You don't necessarily have to show physical use cases. You could just use a use case from your experience. Nice, nice. Well, we've we've covered some good ground already. So we we've gone over so far kind of discovery. We've gone over tonality. We've gone over thirdly tailoring. Kind of thinking about time durations. We talk about um, storytelling as yeah. a fifth point. Are there any other big hitters? that we need to consider more before we talk about wrapping things up. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot, right. But like, um, I think pricing is, is an important area. I think a lot of sure. reps are not confident on the pricing side. Um, and because of that, they rush through pricing. Okay. And they should spend a lot of time on pricing. <clears throat> um, they try to rush through. They're like, Hey, and this is the plan that are not. And they, they talk first. I think in pricing, you have to slow it down a lot. You have to feel very comfortable in that area. Um, and you should shut up after you talk about the plan. So, hey, Sam, earlier on the call, you mentioned XYZ. <clears throat> Based on what I showed you, you said that this is a fit for you. Da, 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 da. Here are our plans. Don't say anything. Um, I think reps have a, uh, an issue of uh, awkward silences or, or you know, they just try to like control too much. But if silence is a game changer, even after you show a feature, if you're showing a, a game changer of a feature, stay quiet. So my tip for reps is, Wait three to six seconds minimum after switching from one topic within the demo to another. If you're talking about pricing and you've gone over the plans and the pricing, after you've gone over them, wait longer than three to six seconds. How long? You should wait until the net, the prospect talks first. It's going to be very awkward in the beginning. Yep. Yep. Easier said than done. I guess it's one of those things you've got to keep working on. Yep. Okay. And... Again, this is some of these questions. I appreciate they're going to vary from sector to sector. Now, whereabouts in a demo do you feel pricing should be? Should it be somewhere perhaps towards the end, once you've kind of done your discovery, once you've gone through kind of the relevant features and benefits that attack your 
prospects goals their pain points etc perhaps you've shared a couple of stories some case studies is, is yeah. then the time for pricing before the end or should it be brought up right at the start or what are your yeah. thoughts i mean i generally default to showing it talking about price at the end of the demo so after i've shown everything and i've confirmed you know this is what is aligned to what they're looking for then i'll talk about pricing then i talk about next steps and onboarding or onboarding and then next steps um but i've experimented i i've done it where I'll show a prospect a feature and I'll say something like, and by the way, this is on our XYZ plan. And I'll say that throughout the demo. And so I'm sort of priming them. So by the time we get to the plans, they're not like, oh, what the hell? You know, like I already talked about it. Um, sometimes I talk about it in the beginning, right? Like if you're, yep. doing a, if you're doing discovery at the beginning of the demo and you find out that the prospect is using a competitor of yours, but your competitor is the cheapest one on the market, like stupid cheap, like, pretty much free that yep. you know with common sense that if they're going from like a $10 solution per month software to a 300, 400, 500 per month, that price is going to be such a elephant in the room. And so it would be stupid to avoid talking about price until the end. So you can say something like, Hey Sam, I know you mentioned that you're using your competitor X, Y, Z. I'm familiar with them. They're only about like 10 bucks a month. Right? Right. Well, I want to let you know, like, if you look at our pricing, and then I'll pull up the pricing, it, it's more of a premium plan to the competitor. And I'd shut up. And this is the beginning of the call. I want to know the yep. reaction. If they're like, oh, well, no, 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 we can't. Like, okay, curious. Like, are, you know, if you found a solution that does exactly what you're looking for, but they are around this price, is that a deal breaker for you? Yes. Okay. Well, then, you know. I don't think that we'd be a fit. That, 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 that. No, it wouldn't be a deal breaker. Okay, then I could continue. But if I know, I mean, like that's for me, that's an indicator of bringing up price early on. If I know that they're using something that's pretty much free or ridiculously cheap, price will be an issue for them. So I want to bring it up early. Yeah, so it's almost it's almost kind of using experience, using common sense, yeah. checking out what they're on right now. If 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 you don't know, asking and then just saying, look, full transparency. Our pricing is kind of 3x what you're paying right now or whatever it is um even if we can attack all your goals get the job done um do what you're looking for would you be prepared to invest that much and if they say no way then disqualify them out yeah i mean i would be, even before disqualifying them out i'd say like dig a little deeper but like you know no way like how, like you know have you have you considered like how big like you'd want to find out how big their problem is before even talking about price right like so like Hey, what's the reason you're looking for X? Oh, the reason is X, Y, Z. Okay. Um, well, what's the impact of that? Or like, you know, tell me more about it. Unwrap the, the uh, unravel the the onion or whatever what you call it. Uh, peel back the onion, the layers of the onion. You want to find out the impact of the problem that they're dealing with. Um, sometimes they have a problem, but it's not that big of a problem. Not enough for them to pay more. Uh, and so, one thing I. I, I uh, uh, everyone talks about it, like, you'll see on LinkedIn, like active listening. <clears throat> active listening is a sales skill that everybody should have. Sure, that's important. I call bullshit. Um, and the reason why I think there's uh, proactive listening is way more impactful. So proactive listening is like reading in between the lines. So for example, let's do an experiment. Ask me how my day was. How was your day, sir? It's okay. What 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 sentiment am I giving off? Like, what's my vibe? Sounds like you don't want to talk about it that much. Right. It doesn't sound like it was a great... Right? That's you proactively listening. You're reading in between the lines. You're paying attention to my tone of voice. I said the word okay. I didn't say great. I didn't say good. I didn't say fantastic. I said okay. So that's proactive listening. So you know that this person had a tough day. 
right? So an example of how you could use this on a demo or on discovery slash demo, because I, I like to do, again, discovery is the spinal cord. Sure. If you ask the prospect, what's the reason you're looking to leave the competitor? And the prospect says, the reason we're looking to leave the competitor is every time we reach out to customer support, they give us the runaround, they wait three days to give us a response. It's, it's nuts. We can't handle it anymore. So an active listener will say, this person clearly needs really good customer support. That's what they want. A proactive listener says, wait a minute. Why do they have to reach out to customer support so often that it's causing them to look for another solution? And so they'll ask that. Hey, prospect, you mentioned that you're reaching out to customer support. You know, Every time you reach out to them, they're giving you the runaround and blah, 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 blah. Curious. Like, why do you have to reach out to them so often? And many times by asking that level of that type of question, the prospect will say, Something like we're trying to achieve X or we're trying to do Y or whatever it is. And that's the real reason that they're looking for. And the only way you're able to find that out as a sales rep is by proactively listening, paying attention to what was not explicitly said by the prospect. That's a very powerful skill set to have. Because if you're, you know, if, if you're doing the demo and you're showing them a feature and you're asking for feedback and they're giving you a surface level response, it's your job to sort of get a little bit more curious like are they telling me exactly what they're feeling or are they sort of beating around the bush so that's really that's an important skill set yeah having that i guess intense level of curiosity and not taking everything for face value always digging a bit deeper like you said to understand kind of why it's an issue what the impact is um and if that's a problem they actually want to solve i get it cool um yeah some good points about pricing there in terms of kind of understanding early and then perhaps showing it later if it's relevant. All right. So some good crown covered. Is there is there any other stages before we need to look to wrap the demo up? And do we ask for the business? Do they ask us to go ahead? Because I know we've had different guests on and from yeah. from sales backgrounds that have said there's various different ways to, to get the deal done. Um, some say you ask for the sale, others say you don't. Or is there another step more before we even get to that? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely different variations. I Like in my course, one of the things I, I say early on is like there is no one way of doing things in sales. So if anyone yeah. tells you this is the only way of doing it, run. Um, so <laughs> what, I, what I'm saying is one variation. You'll hear me sure. say another variation. So it depends. If you're dealing again with like an enterprise love deal that takes a lot longer to close, maybe six months on average, 12 months on average, and you're doing the first demo, don't ask for the business because you probably won't get it in the beginning. There's too many other stakeholders. Uh, but if you're dealing with like an SMB and they're the only decision maker and they're the only influencer and everything you show them is exactly what they're looking for, then at the end of the call, ask for the close. And one of the ways you can ask for the close is simply asking, hey, Sam, you know, I showed you, you asked for X, I showed you Y. Based on what I showed you, do you see yourself using the software? Yes, okay. So I guess my only question, Sam, is like, what do I... Wh- what do I need to do to earn your business today? Just ask it. And many times like, all right, well, I'm ready to sign up right now. Right. Uh, and sometimes after showing the pricing and the plans and you stay quiet, the prospect will say, all right, what do, what's next? Right. And then that could be an indicator of interest. So yes, sometimes ask for it. Sometimes don't ask for it. Um, you'll, you'll need, you know, if you have many times you'll have like a, a prospect, that schedules a demo with like three or four other people within their team, but only that one person was able to make it. If those other people are influencers, maybe it's worth doing a secondary demo or third demo with those people as well before asking for the close. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. And I appreciate if you're, if you're running large scale enterprise deals, like you say, there might be other stakeholders. You might need to organize several other meetings along the chain. So 
it might not always make sense to us for the business right now. Perhaps the next step is saying, look, we need to get the head of marketing. We need to get the finance director. We need to get the intelligence officer on the next call. So how, how do we facilitate that? Likewise, yep. if it's a smaller deal, then it might make sense to us for the business right now. Um, cool. So we've we've gone through a great process here. More is this the framework to to get fifty percent or plus of your sales demos? Are there any final considerations that we need to? I mean, look yeah. At? I mean, there's a lot more, right? Like, I can only say so much within the time that we have, right? Like, I appreciate the, that. <laughs> so, so part of all this is also measuring yourself. There's also the the small details in between each framework. Um, there's a lot more to this, but that that's that's a lot of it. Nice dude. And um, yeah, by all means, if you've got anything you want to point our listeners to, too, we can always put that in the show notes at businessgrowth.marketing. So with that, sir, I want to say thanks very much more for running us through how to close 50% or more of your demos. It's been, uh, been really interesting and useful for myself and I'm sure everyone tuning in. Do tell us more about how everyone listening or watching can learn from you, how they can connect with you and the best way to get in touch. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I'm on LinkedIn like more than I'm breathing oxygen. <laughs> like, so you can find me yeah, on LinkedIn. Um, yeah. LinkedIn forward slash, uh, I N forward slash more Australian. You probably have my name written down. They won't remember how to spell it. Um, I have a podcast called SAS talks from lead to close. <clears throat> there are five minutes or less an episode. Um, I have a monthly special guest every month. I had Nick Sigalski on, um, I had Ethan Parker on. I'm gonna have a few other people on every month. Um, and then I released, um, the demo course that I talked about from demo to close FDTC. Um, you can find it on demo to close.com. Nice one, dude. And like I say, we'll put all those links over in the show notes at businessgrowth.marketing. And with that, I want to thank you once again more. Enjoy the chat. Same here, man. Appreciate it. Cheers, dude. And as always, if you enjoyed today's show, do hit that subscribe button. We interview business leaders each and every week to provide actionable marketing tips to grow your business, grow your sales, grow your revenue. And with that, we should catch you on the next one. Are you tired of hunting for clients? You could be missing out on regular inbound opportunities all because your website isn't on the first page of Google. Perhaps you're already spending money on marketing, but your website is failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a consistent flow of leads and sales. Want to learn more about WebChoice's unusual approach that brings idle clients straight to you? Book a free digital marketing assessment today at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com.